in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ay, ay, ay. You got to start turning off the news. A huge headline staring me in the face. A teenage mom and her baby shot and killed along with four others in a what they believe is a drug cartel targeted shooting in California. Ay, ay, ay. And they're playing beautiful pictures of this mother and the baby. Oh, man. Man's inhumanity to man, right? It's always... Strangely, it's part of the human condition, you know? Isn't that kind of weird? You know, we build prisons. We need prisons. Um, And they're building a new prison in this um, one county upstate. And I'm like, I heard an official say, well, we expect that this prison could last more than 100 years. It's just interesting that automatically we know that (laughs) we're going to be, people are going to be killing people in 100 years, in 50 years. It's just part of the human condition. It happens. It doesn't. We can choose otherwise, obviously, and most of us do, um, but there will always be crime and there will always be murderers. It's just, anyway, I'm sorry, this picture, this little kid, this little tyke, you know, anytime it, it affects us all, you know, don't you remember that little one-year-old who was shot at a barbecue in Brooklyn, a little kid. And I remember they said, you know, his name was, I think, uh, 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 Jelani, Memphis, was that his name? And it said, Jelani Memphis, comma, one, comma, was shot and killed. It was the one. It was the numeral one that was like, what the hell is up with that? You never see that. You know, you see 26, you see 32, you see, it's not supposed to be one. And his coffin had Cocoa Melon on it. You know, Cocoa Melon It's one of these characters that kids love. My kids love him. Um. Coco Melon is a bit of a zombie, though, by the way. Just all these all these new cartoons, in my opinion, stink. Uh, they're just, they're, everything is good. Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's, you know, equal. Everything is fantastic. And it's just a bunch of clouds and these uh, characters singing and dancing. And I prefer Tom and Jerry. I prefer watching a cat go after a mouse. And that mouse uh, usually getting the upper hand with the cat disemboweling the cat, uh, removing the cat's eyeballs, (laughs) all that stuff. I don't know. That's kind of what a cartoon is supposed to be. To me, um, we've made a happy compromise at home. The children are watching Cinderella. Cinderella, there's a lot you can learn. Boy, oh boy, it's Cinderella. She got screwed over by that stepmother and her stepsisters. Oh, goodness gracious. But, of course, she had the last laugh. Uh... Uh, I got to talk about the documents, but I have a whole new take on it, okay? A whole new take on the document situation. And it's reinforced. I've been thinking it. I've been saying it. But now it's sinking in. It really is that this is a swamp-authorized takeout of Joe Biden. Now, I want Joe Biden removed from office for a million reasons. And you can throw this one in, too. However, this is not democratic. Nothing about Joe Biden is democratic. Nothing. He became president in an very undemocratic way. Oh, no, wait a second. He got more votes. No, he, I don't believe that. I got concerns about the 2020. I'm going before that, though. Who remembers the primary? Who remembers what a horrible cluster of a candidate Joe Biden was and his campaign? They were just 
totally, totally in shambles from day one to the day they decide, no, even though he stinks, Joe's going to be the nominee. Uh, It's kind of like he came in fourth place in Iowa. He came in third place in New Hampshire, a distant third place. Now, I went back. We have not had a president in 70 years who did not win either Iowa or New Hampshire or at least placed in second. They say there are three tickets out of Iowa and two out of New Hampshire. You got to do it. That's Democrat. That's democracy. That's that that gives these little guys a chance. You go, you make your case to those uh, famous uh, coffee clutches in a living room. Hmm, we like this guy. This is how Jimmy Carter did it. And Jimmy Carter, nobody was paying him mind at the on the national stage. But if you go to a place like Iowa, you make your case to individual voters. You can go to from zero to hero. And that's been the playbook for a long time. But Joe Biden couldn't even master that. Former vice president of the United States totally blew it in Iowa, totally blows it in New Hampshire. Now, in a democracy, most most of our democracy's history, that means you're finished as a presidential candidate. You know, There's nothing we can do for you except Joe Biden. And suddenly a congressman named Jim Clyburn in South Carolina decides that Joe Biden will get his endorsement and Joe Biden will win South Carolina. And he did. And everybody else dropped out of the race overnight. Everybody leaves. Buttigieg leaves. Klobuchar leaves. Booker leaves. They just, that's it. We're finished. Because the bosses said so. Because uh, whatever hoops they were making Joe Biden jump over behind the scenes, he successfully jumped over them, and they decided that's not democratic. It's not democratic for one guy to extract a bunch of promises. Number one, it's got to be not only a woman as your vice president, it has to be a black woman. Also, not only will you appoint to the Supreme Court a woman, it will be a woman of color. You got that, Joe? Of course I do. I'll do whatever it takes. You can count on me. And we're living with the consequences. So he wasn't chosen in a democratic fashion. And now the swamp has tired of him. You know, I go, the speech on Monday, I watched half of it. It was a disaster. I should have watched the whole thing because now I'm getting, it was worse than I thought. And he's making the same mistakes over and over again, saying horrible things that are not true. You know, stuff about his family, stuff about himself, the whole I was a civil rights champion. I got my start at Delaware State. Oh, by the way, cops, they show up blasting everybody. We need to take their guns away. If you think you are going to um, buy a weapon, just remember this. If you come up against the government, we're going to unleash the F-15s on you. This weird stuff that he's been saying for a while, but most people, when you say something stupid and calamitous and they write a big article about it, or 10,000 saying you're stupid and that was a cal- just a calamity of a mistake, most people say, okay, I won't do that again, or I'm going to modify my approach. Um, and if it's a genuine gaffe, it's a, if it's a genuine black or white, you said something hideously stupid and wrong, and he doesn't adjust, and they've had it up to here with him. They're finished with him. And this whole thing about, well, those documents, uh, 
you know, our, our, our precious America's secrets. Well, Joe was probably screwing around with Ukraine and China. Why else would he go to Ukraine three days before he left office, three days before he leaves office? And he's over there and he's he's just kissing Ukrainian president ass. Very strange. January 17th of 2017, this would be. And then he hops, skips it over to uh, Switzerland to meet with President Xi. And he only has two days left in office. And we're told that the documents pertain to pertain to Ukraine and maybe even China. But why now? Why now? I think they decided this is it. We can't win with Joe, or at least we we can't win with Joe without overt cheating, without, you know, we can rig big tech, we can rig the media, we can even rig elections only so much. And we don't want it to be so obvious this time. So Joe's got to leave. How do we do it? Who remembers the movie Casablanca? Remember they're having a great time at Rick's Cafe? Too good a time. They start singing the uh, Viva La France song, and the Nazis get very upset and nervous. And he goes over to the the owner of the, not the owner, the prefect, the French guy who was kind of running Morocco. This cafe is to be closed at once. But I have no reason to close it. Find one. (laughs) And then he goes, this cafe is closed until further notice. Humphrey Bogart runs over and says, what are you doing to me? Why, 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 why? I am shocked, shocked, sir, to see that there is gambling happening in this establishment. And then the waiter comes up. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you. (laughs) They all, you can get somebody on anything. Show me the man. I'll show you the crime. Show me anybody who was in federal government, especially at the levels Joe Biden was, for 50-some-odd years. I bet you could show up at his house and find some stuff, find some documents. It's totally different. It is totally different from Trump, totally different from Trump, although they don't seem to understand that over at Fox News. Sheesh, Fox News, to to hell with them. 95% of them stink. I was watching... um, that midday show where they have uh, one guy and 10 women. And Janice Dean comes on and says, I'm outraged about President Trump's documents, and I'm outraged about Joe Biden's documents. Ah, you see, fair and balanced. How fair and balanced can you get? Yeah, thanks a lot. Again, Fox News sticking it to Donald Trump and not bothering to try to decode him, to try to understand it. They wanted him gone, I do believe, because Rupert Murdoch, for whatever reason, tired of him. And then Arizona was called <laughs> at 9.01. Bing, 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 bing. We call Arizona for Joe Biden. Thanks a lot. Rearranging history. These billionaires, these oligarchs, they treat countries like chess pieces. Countries, entire countries. Fox News, you really should check out Newsmax. We're doing some amazing things over there. And my book, <laughs> uh, it's, it's what a... Thank you all, by the way. We're making an impact, all right? Uh, People are buying the book. I am so appreciative. Remember my policy. If you tell me you bought that book, I am going to drop everything I do, and I'm going to buy you lunch wherever I am. Probably not, but I will appreciate it, all right? We're working our asses off, all right? And the book is called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And we go through it. Hey, 
I keep hearing, and you see it actually on social media more than anywhere, sometimes mainstream media, that property crimes are A-OK, right? If you destroy property in a riot or in the furtherance of some ideal, then that's OK because, well, these businesses are insured. And it is it's so disgusting, that, that attitude, that mentality. You ever try dealing with an insurance company, right? That's not <laughs> – <laughs> That's no uh, overnight transaction. Oh, my gosh, the red tape. What about all the income you lose while you're pursuing this stuff? And the red tape and the you got to jump through crazy hoops. like. And they call it your livelihood. It's, you know, that's my livelihood. I know a guy who, well, owns a hair salon. And it was trashed. All in the name of uh, George Floyd? Really? This career criminal, drug addict, aspiring porn star. Yeah, George Floyd, of whom there are statues throughout the country, um, tried his hand at porn. Did you know that? He did, actually. Now, why don't we revere porn stars? Well, well, that's pretty obvious, right? Although you got to be careful about that because it's insane how many people out there are consuming pornography. Um, but we hold those folks in contempt. That's not exactly fair, but it's just, it is what it is. It is what it is. That stuff is very noxious. I do remember playing, you know, you found the Playboy magazine from three blocks away, you know, and you looked at it with your friends once and then, but now everything is in our pocket. Anyway, you can find the George Floyd pornography clip if you want to. It's out there. George Floyd had enough drugs in him to kill him. George Floyd did not die of asphyxiation. It's right there in the police report. It's right there actually in the coroner's report. I didn't write it. A doctor did. They hyped it. They lied about it. And you know when they did? In an election year. Did you see my show last night with Candace Owens, the uh, the amazing testimony she gave in front of Congress? Um, she spoke so much truth. I like to think that my book is speaking a lot of truth. Once again, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. You can buy it wherever you buy books, and I do, do, do appreciate it. I'll be right back. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And I do recommend my book over the January 6th report. I read the whole damn thing. Uh, You're going to be hearing a lot more of it as this story works more and more against Joe Biden. There will be some, not all, but some who will say we have to go back to what's important January 6th. Uh, Adam Kinzinger is trying to sell uh, January 6th reports with his signature on it, with his autograph for a hundred bucks a pop on his own website. Huh? How about that? A hundred bucks. Can you do that? Is that legal? It's a government document. I mean, is he allowed to resell it? He didn't write that book. It's not his. He can't claim credit for it. A hundred dollars. That doesn't sound right to me. That sounds like it could be a campaign violation. There's got to be some rule against that. Baby Adam. He is a baby. He looks like he's in fourth grade. By the way, did you ever tell you that uh, his family, all of his cousins and relatives, they wrote a like kind of a group letter to him telling him to shut up and sit down and how they're embarrassed by him. And I guess who's mentioned in the letter? I am. 
You know, you need. He, they said something like, "You need to uh, be quiet and start listening to um, Rush Limbaugh, who was with us at the time, Mark Levin, Hannity, and Greg Kelly." I just loved it. I just loved it. Uh, hey, baby Adam. Um, last night on my TV show, we went through Joe Biden's taxes. You know, you notice you don't hear about Donald Trump's taxes anymore, right? Because they released him and they found out. Guess what? Nothing wrong with them. <laughs> uh, these are, yep, he paid a hell of a lot in taxes. And Donald Trump, he tried not to pay taxes. Who wants to pay taxes? You take the deductions, you take the losses, the depreciation, the appreciation, however it works. He said out loud that he was good at that stuff. It's funny. They they released it all. You don't hear boo about him. But it got me wondering, and all this stuff about the documents and all this stuff about the $50,000 a month payment, the rent payment, what was that all about? Let's go back to the taxes, to to Joe Biden's taxes, because he's so free and transparent, right? It's kind of a scam when they release their taxes and you go. I had an FBI agent last night. He said, no, the tax forms never really tell you the whole story. And they don't. In 2017, Joe Biden made something like $10 million. How do they make it? I have no idea. <laughs> he doesn't have to report on that thing. Isn't that kind of the important stuff? Because if he's money laundering... That's not going to show up. But how did that money wind its way? I, I'm told it's because of the book he wrote. Now that I know something about book publishing, I don't think that's the case. Okay? I don't think so. Uh, no, no. The other thing about him is, remember, he always takes classified information very seriously, right? Made a, made a real point of that. Did you see the picture today? 2013, he's standing in the Oval Office with a bunch of reporters around and he's got a great big classified document. He's holding on to it. It says top secret code word, uh, Vice President Biden. And he's just handling it right in front of everybody. Uh, it's pretty amazing what Ronald Reagan said about this guy. Ronald Reagan had his number long ago. Even Johnny Carson, Robert Gates, the great Robert Gates, who was Ronald Reagan's CIA director. They knew this guy was an idiot, and they weren't afraid to say it. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, remember all those videos of Joe Biden uh, grabbing, groping, and smelling uh, young girls, old ladies, you name it. He uh, he was interested. Uh, for whatever reason, that was trending again today. Why would that be trending? Some of those clips are a couple of years old. Uh, look, it's always kind of fun to watch. It's just amazing how this guy conducted himself. It's and sometimes they set this stuff to music. He's doing it right behind the husband's back. Remember, they they made this guy the secretary of defense in, in the Obama administration. And for some reason, Joe Biden shows up at the uh, ceremony swearing the guy in. And the guy's giving a speech, the new secretary of defense. And Joe Biden is back there massaging the shoulders of the guy's wife and whispering in her ear. Just anybody with any sense knows you don't do that. 
But except a guy like Joe Biden, again, he's been a big shot since he was 29 years old. A big shot, and that can ruin you. That really can. He's been. Imagine that. Imagine getting set for life at the age of 29. You know how hard it is to get uh, defeated when you're an incumbent United States senator from Delaware? And by the way, thanks for nothing, Delaware. This is on you. This is you guys gave this idiot the start. You know how many votes made him a United States senator? 115,000. 115,000 dopes from Delaware. Sorry, I know there are some great people down there. But you're responsible, those of you who voted. I know they're all gone now, probably. But um, And, I mean, listen to this message. Who wouldn't vote for Joe Biden in 1972, huh? Cut 24, please. Joe Biden also had a role model. Irish, Catholic, good-looking. Joe emulated what he could. Kennedy was drawn to politics. Biden was drawn to politics. Jack had a photogenic wife and children. Joe had a photogenic wife and children. The Kennedys had a family compound at Hyannisport. The Bidens would have a family compound in Wilmington, Delaware. Joe Biden was always fascinated by the Kennedy mystique. He really saw himself as a natural heir to that tradition. I'm Joe Biden, and I'm a candidate for the United States Senate. Politicians have done such a job on the people that the people don't believe them anymore. And I'd like a shot at changing that. Well, what a deep platform to run on, huh? I'm like the Kennedys, and I want a shot at changing something, right? 29 years old, this is what you get. And he had been an adult for four years. Got out of law school at the age of 25. Actually, two years. He runs for the city council of uh, Wilmington, Newark, someplace like that. Newark. It's called Newark, Delaware. It's spelled Newark, but they call it Newark. Becomes a councilman and then the audacity to run for United States Senate. But, hey, in Delaware, you can do things like that. Delaware is smaller than Suffolk County. Isn't that amazing? With fewer people. Delaware is smaller than like something like 50 counties in America. Delaware geographically is smaller. So this little puny state gave us Joe Biden. How about that uh, slogan? What, what was it? What did he say? I said, I, 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 the politicians, uh, I want to crack at changing that. How, how deep? How deep? Here's Ronald Reagan. You want to hear something? A thoughtful man? First of all, he waited until the age of 55 before he ran for office because he wanted to do something, not be something. He was already something. That's a huge difference. That's one of the big problems we have right now. People go into politics to be somebody rather than to do something, to get something done. This is Ronald Reagan in January of 1966 speaking directly to the people for one half hour. Ronald Reagan, no notes, is looking at the camera and telling people his vision for California. It's amazing. You can look it up online. Here's a sample. It's cut 25, please. As of now, I am a candidate seeking the Republican nomination for governor. In the months ahead, I will present a number of specific proposals for solution to the problems I've discussed. I'll do my best to meet as many of you as possible and to explain clearly and completely my philosophy and beliefs. 
On those occasions, I'll welcome your questions and do my best to answer them. So you will have no doubt of where I stand on the issues important to you. Wow, huh? And he made good on that as governor and as president. Cut 26, please. Cut 26. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. Isn't that great? Isn't that fantastic? Joe Biden doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe that. Here he is, just telling, he just wants to, he just wants to boss us around. That's what he thinks of the government, that the government, it's all about the government. Cut 27, please. We'll double the fines on travelers that refuse to mask. If you break the rules, be prepared to pay. And by the way, show some respect. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. I think this guy could benefit from reading some of Ronald Reagan's speeches. Oh, he's not going to do that. He's not, he's not capable of doing that. He's not a thoughtful person. Does that sound anything like the government listening to the people? He's a wannabe dictator. And damn, damn it, he's, he's, he's become one. He's a, the systems have allowed this. And here he is lusting about waging war on the American people. Cut 28. Same speech. I'm going to get assault weapons banned. I did it. I'm going to do it again. There's no social redeeming value. Deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests out there. What the hell you need a assault? No, I'm serious. And ban the number of bullets and go in a magazine. There's no, no need for any of that. I love my right-wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is water of the blood of patriots. Give me a, if you need to work about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an AR-15. I'm serious. Think about it. Yeah, you're serious all right, huh? What the hell kind of jingoistic, domestic jingoistic weirdness is that? And by the way, the quote is, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Now, nobody wants anybody to die. That's part of our history. You know, you saw this stuff in... uh, in Brazil, and everyone's saying, oh, that's January 6th. Oh, that's January 6th. Because the election in Brazil was perfect. How do they know? How in the hell do they know? They don't know. They've been told to say something. Where is that, by the way? I mean, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Do you know Larry? Larry in Brooklyn, hello. Who are you? Hi. Greg, you hear me good? Yep. Okay, you know, on the subject of law enforcement, I, I don't know if you're aware or heard, but Eric Adams, about a week ago, he gets in front of the mic and he says, we're going to prosecute um, uh, 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 shoplifting on three different, we're going to subdivide our prosecutions with three different ideas. One, somebody who steals to support a drug habit, somebody who steals 
to support their so they can eat. And then some, the third category is somebody who, who steals so he could fence the items and then sell them. We're going to go after the last category real hard. So what he's basically doing, he's not allowed to do that, first of all. You t- we all talk about Alvin Bragg, but this guy is doing the same thing Alvin Bragg is doing. He, he's usurping the judiciary. That's, that's, the, that's in the realm of sentencing you take into consideration those things. But what he's doing is he's opening the door to racial profiling of whites. Let's say a white guy uh, uh, does some shoplifting. Let's say, well, he, he doesn't have to do it to eat because, you know, white people have money. Well, wait a uh, second. Yeah, wait, he, wait, wait, wait. You're on totally solid ground until now because you're, you're making a leap that you don't have to make a leap. You were right, at, at, right off the bat. One, two, three. These stages. This is totally unconstitutional. This, this is not how the statutes are written. And it's not up to uh, he, he doesn't have the discretion. This is ad hoc. Uh, make make law as you go. And it's not up to him. Now, there is some prosecutorial discretion that exists, but that is not prosecutorial discretion. That's rewriting society. And oh, by the way, it's going with a lot of propaganda. This is the same junk that AOC was pushing. Larry, uh, I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chris in Pompton Lakes. Where was that, by the way? North Jersey, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm. What's up? Uh, I got a couple of things. One. Oh, you do, huh? Curtis. One at a Curtis. time. Yes, I'm, uh... The other one is a little bit bigger, but Curtis is, you know, is talking about out with the old and in with the new. Talking about Trump and Biden. And I'm saying to myself, Trump is the new guy. He's only been on the scene for four years and he kicked ass for this country. <clears throat> That's the that was the first thing. The other one is on the uh, the election. If you're just a numbers guy and you looked at the numbers real quick, Obama had the most votes ever cast, 67 million. Then Trump and Hillary. Hillary gets 66. Trump gets 63. Add those two up, 130 million on the high side. Trump and then Biden. Trump gets 75, which is Eight million more than the most votes ever cast, and then Biden gets eighty-two million, which is thirteen million more votes than the. And you're suspicious, and you're suspicious as I am, right? And you're also suspicious that Biden got more black votes in certain cities than Barack Obama. That does not wash, right? But my thing is yes. But if you add those two up, it's like one hundred and fifty-eight million. So there's twenty-eight million. More votes cast in four years' time, which I can't buy that number. I don't buy it either. I don't buy the 2020 election. And they try to make it illegal to even talk about. If you start questioning the election, it's going to bring on a riot. Everybody relax. Joe Biden signed the paperwork. You guys declared martial law on Inauguration Day. Something else I address in the the book, by the way. Martial law on Inauguration Day. You couldn't just go to the inauguration. What the hell is that all about? Are there 20,000 armed troops there two weeks too late? Anyway, Chris, interesting observations. I thank you. And let's do one more. Sandra in New Jersey. Hello. Hi, Greg. Greg, I was watching um, Newsmax last night, and, and, and the commercial bothered me a little bit. It had Huckabee. All right, wait. Well, 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 but the commercial bothered you. Yeah. 
You don't have to agree with every commercial. I mean, it bothered you. Well, no, what no. happened? What this happened? Is, this isn't. All I, right. Let me tell you something about Newsmax commercials. Not one of them bothers me because they're all paying money. But anyway, keep going. Well, oh, that's true. He, he's probably making money. Look, Donald Trump was on the pamphlet of these beautiful little books that they want to sell to children about the president, about the Constitution. And Huckabee is the one who promotes this. Now, Donald Trump was always on these beautiful leaflets that you buy and you give to your children to learn about history. All of a sudden, Trump is not on there. Ron DeSantis is on there. And it's almost like he's going to be the president, learn all about Ron DeSantis. All right. I don't know. What what pamphlets are you talking about? What what do you what where what pamphlets? I I almost bought them, but they're about teaching little children about the president, it teaches children about the Constitution, all that. And you're upset that Ron DeSantis is the uh, on the brochure, not Trump? Exactly. And what does Huckabee have to do with it? Great guy, by the way. His daughter is now the youngest governor in the world, I think. Anyway, what? I, I, I know that, and I'm very happy, and I love Huckabee. All right, so what's your, what's your beef again? Why is he endorsing Ron DeSantis on that booklet instead of Donald Trump? Why is he endorsing Ron DeSantis? Did you ever think that maybe it's like various political figures? You know, maybe some brochures have uh, DeSantis, others have Trump, others have uh, Matt Gates. You know what I mean? It could be the heroes of the conservative movement. It's possible, well, right? It's just, possible. I, yeah, I'm just telling you, I was a little upset by that because okay. Ronald Trump was on there and all of a sudden he's not. So, you know. How did you cope with your um, your emotions? What did you do? I, what I did was I said, oh, my God, I could I, I, that's that was how I coped. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's listen, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't get up. There's enough stuff to get upset about as opposed to who's on that brochure. And what do you care? You, what do you did, what do you what little kids are you giving these brochures to? I don't know anything about this program. But, Sandra, we love you. How's everything else? How's your brother? I want. He's good. I want to tell you a good movie to oh, see. Oh, gosh, what? It's called Plane, <laughs> Plane with Gerard Butler. I thought of you when we watched this movie. It was so phenomenal because you, you know, you saw that AVHB Harrier, you know, jet, which is, to me, amazing. So, so Gerard right. Butler is All right, Gerard, it's called Plane. What a plane? P-L-A-N-E. I get him confused with Jeremy Renner, by the way, Gerard Butler. Jeremy Renner is the guy who just collided with the snowplow. And by the way, his picture was in the post. He is banged up real bad. And Jeremy Renner is not Gerard Butler. Jeremy Renner was in the Mission Impossible, a couple of Mission Impossible movies. He was also in a great movie called Hurt Locker, which I could actually, in a weird way, relate to. Um, you know, he he comes back from Iraq and at one point he's in the um he's in the store and he can't figure out what toothpaste to buy. He's overwhelmed by the choices. I didn't have it quite like that, but it's just an interesting thing. You know, in, our, in when you're in the military, you know what to do, you know when to do it, you know how to do it, you know boom 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 boom. And then when you come back, you got so many options. <laughs> Sometimes it's too many. Whether it's toothpaste, whether it's uh romantic partners, it's uh Sometimes too much of a good thing is not. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Well, good for him. That's a Philadelphia Flyer 
hockey player in the NHL. And he says, uh, you know what? Um, it's gay pride night, huh? And you want me to wear the gay pride uh, flag colors uh, on my uniform, huh? I'm not actually going to do that. I'm not comfortable with that. And uh, to the organization's credit, they're letting him play. It's amazing that <laughs> that's a radical stand to take right now. And it, it national news because he won't wear the gay pride flag. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that kind of, I mean, it's, I, I give him credit for, you know, and by the way, you could be, I know gay people who don't want to make a big deal with the gay pride flag. I think the Bible says something about pride uh, not being a good thing. All right. His name is Ivan Pravorov and he plays for the Philadelphia Flyers and he did it as respectfully as one could. I'm not anti anything. I'm not pro. I mean, I'm pro my religion. And I'm not going to wear that. Well, good for him. Good for him. Let's see how it plays. It looks like they're giving the uh, the organization, the team, a really hard time about it. And uh, are they going to boycott it? Let's face it. Hockey is not the wokest uh, audience. It's not the wokest fan base. But then again, they put Black Lives Matter on the ice during the heat of the Black Lives Matter nonsense in 2020, and it was nonsense. All those stupid idiots who signed up and they had no idea. Every one from that nitwit college kid to Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, they had no idea, and they threw so much money, wasted so much money. All the good that could have been done instead of yelling and screaming and breaking stuff and hurting people. You know, it's a truism. Professors of urban studies will say that like half the reason why people riot is because it's fun <laughs> and you can make money uh, doing it. All right. One more call and then uh, we'll reset Daniel from my original hometown, Baldwin, New York. I grew up. Uh, I was stayed there till the second grade. Hi. Hey, Greg. Wow. So uh, it's uh, not a high, uh, high energy call, but I wanted to. And I live like a block from the train station, by the way. Um, I didn't know that you grew up there, and I didn't know your dad was Ray Kelly. And all this stuff I learned in your book, which I loved, what I really like is your outspoken style, both on the radio and in the book. And I just wanted to convey that to you. Oh, well, Daniel, thank you very much. And I know you you're... don't have to buy me lunch, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I kind of revoked that as soon as I issued that. But uh... <laughs> Right, let me ask you something. Are you on the south side or the north side of the train station? North side. There's a little street that comes around by the parking lot. So I'm on that little street. Yeah, no, it's a really cool place. I remember well we would drive to this tr uh, train station. It was a little bit too far to walk, and we'd wait for my dad to come back. There was a phase of his career where we'd take the Long Island Railroad back, and, and sometimes we'd where see Where did you wait? By, uh, in the, by the parking lot side or the other side? Uh, well, 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 I guess it was the uh, the Sunrise Highway Sunrise side Highway? because uh -huh. that would be the side that the train comes back from, right? From New York. Correct. So um, anyway, um, Baldwin's a fantastic town. Dairy Barn is still there, right? Dairy, well, it's evolved into a dairy-like barn. You can still get milk there. I love it. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for buying the book. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It is amazing. 
I think this is going to be pretty good. Let's just go through it for a moment, okay? Uh, the presidents, the presidents of the United States. You're right. It's kind of a given. You got to win New Hampshire. You got to win. Uh, you got to win Iowa, or at least be competitive. Joe Biden, except Joe Biden. Joe Biden came in dead last, dead last in New Hampshire. <laughs> fifth place, fifth and last place behind Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, and there's Joe Biden. And a distant, what was it here? Fourth place in Iowa. He's crashing and burning. And then they decide the, the Pete Buttigieg <laughs> drops out of the race. Amy Klobuchar, she's beating the hell out of him. Drops out of the race. That doesn't sound very democratic, actually. For a party that's always talking about democracy. Wow, there's something very strange here. And for a, a party that always talks about transparency, right? You want to you see what they call transparency? Actually, this is called stonewalling. Cut 32, please. Cut 32. This is something for the White House counsel uh, to address. I am not going to address that from here. I will refer you to them, and I will refer you to the special counsel and anything that's spe- that is specific to this particular issue. Right. I know there's going to continue to be dozens of more questions probably today, and I will say reach out to the White House counsel's office. Are you listening to your the question that you're asking me? Look, I mean, okay, look, look, I'm going to be very consistent here. Uh, I am going to be very clear here. Uh, no, it's pretty pathetic, but it's not just him. It's not just there's something more to this story, something deeper. I haven't gotten my hands around it totally, but this was a, a deep state move. And everybody knows that he's not up to the job. The thing is, he's starting to embarrass them. I said it the other day. Now, Jim Clyburn, who made this guy. I think he said just he, 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 they ask him, aren't you embarrassed by all this? Aren't you? And you should be. Cut 14. This is Congressman James Clyburn from what South Carolina. You, Oops, go ahead. Sorry, I'll stop talking. What would you use? Do you think this is embarrassing for the president and for his staff? Well, I think it's uncomfortable. I, I don't know anything to be embarrassed about. Uh, you find... Uh, documents lying around uh, in some place. You had no idea that they were there. It's uncomfortable, uh, but I wouldn't be embarrassed about it at all. <laughs> okay, they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. That translation, uh, I'm totally embarrassed, and this is, uh, we're in big trouble here. And this is, well, they're not in big trouble because big tech, uh, the media, they'll all protect them. And I think this is authorized. They were authorized to take Joe out okay here's the same guy cut 13 please cut 13 just to be open and honest uh, the fact of the matter is uh, it's very easy to explain uh, that you're moving out of an office uh, and things like this uh, sometimes happen and just let the uh, investigation uh, go its way mm. uh, that to me shows you that democrats are jumping ship. <laughs> they have had it with this guy, and he has outlived his usefulness, all right? There's there's nothing more they can really get. If they stay with this guy for much longer, um, they're all going down, potentially, potentially. And in a weird way, I'm kind of relieved. You know, it was a week ago Monday, I woke up, and I'm like, 
Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. How can that be? It was just on my mind. And I talked to all the political experts I could find. And they all said, yeah, Joe's the guy. I'm like, I can't believe it. I don't believe it. There's got to be some ambitious Democrats who are out there saying, like, enough's enough. It's my turn. It's somebody else's turn. And Joe apparently is chomping at the bit to run again. So they had to do this. They had to do something along these lines. And you can get anybody on the classified stuff because the American people, we view classified material with a certain sense of awe, right? I mean, think of it. Have you ever held anything that was classified, top secret or secret ever? Most people haven't. Most people haven't. Because I was in the military, and by the way, it was no big deal. If you were a certain rank, I think we all got it. I filled out a, I filled out a, a form or two. We all got it. Secret clearance, not top secret. I had secret clearance. And the thing that I remember more than anything else, it was a pain in the neck. It was an administrative pain in the neck and a great way to get yourself in trouble. The first thing I did when I became the, uh, cust- I was the custodian for all the intelligence material. We had like this huge, it was, it was a skiff, I guess. We call it a skiff. We had this huge storage room full of these secret documents. There are only like 15 pilots. I'm like, what are we doing with all this stuff? The first thing I did was I got rid of uh, half of it. You go through it. There was a procedure for that. How do you get? I burned it all. And there's a place where you went. You had a sign. You had it like everything had to be authorized for destruction. And it was because I, I could just tell this was a problem. This was a and I didn't want to spend all my time looking at these documents, keeping an eye on them and who's got what and where. So I think that they just this is an authorized job. Now, where's that guy? Morell. Did we play that last? No, it's later in the show. The acting CIA director, I saw him on the news, and he comes right out and he says, look, the God's honest truth is we always cut the vice president and the president slack when it comes to classified documents. All right, we do. We just, you know, they, they, they got the documents because of who they are. And I can kind of understand that, and that actually rings true. But the same guy a couple of months earlier said this would never happen in the Obama administration. This would never have happened in the George W. Bush administration where he worked. But the swamp knows it always happens, and they can invoke these crazy rules that they got. Some are reasonable, but some are insane. I tried to read the executive order on classified documents as pertaining to the vice president. You need three lawyers to decode that thing. It's six pages long. An executive order should be like one sentence, two sentences, maybe. Executive order. Do the, it's crazy. And that's the way they like it. That's what they want. They want it to be confusing, and they, want, uh, they don't want the people to understand. They want to understand. And here's a swamp guy who knew all along that Joe Biden could not be trusted. I'm not saying I trust Robert Gates, former Secretary of Defense under— uh, Bush and Obama, CIA director under Reagan. I like that part of his career. Here he is being pretty blunt about uh, Joe Biden and how wrong he's been on everything. Cut 22. You know what I'm about to read to you. Still, I think he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Would he be an effective commander in chief? I I don't know. I don't know. I I think I stand by that statement. That's uh that's pretty aggressive. That's for a guy like Bob Gates. 
he's pretty he's not an aggressive guy in terms of public persona. Everybody has always had the number of Joe Biden, including one of my favorites, the late great Johnny Carson, cut twenty three. On the political scene, uh, one of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech. And apparently, he quoted a, I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him. And then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby Kennedy's speeches. And Biden says, not to worry. He reassured his staff. He said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. National punchline. Stealing stealing other people's lines, making up stuff about his uh, everything, everything. Three degrees, not one. Won the international moot court competition. He didn't even enter. Finished at the top half of my law school class. He barely finished at all, and he placed at the bottom. Didn't tell anybody about how he was suspended for plagiarizing, not only that Neil Kinnock speech, but also um, a law book. And he had to go up before an academic review. This is a bad, bad guy. And he's not good at the job. And he talks too much. (laughs) Uh, He's always talked too much, but now there are real consequences. Uh, This is the... Forget about... Do me a favor. I know everyone's still obsessing over the visitor log. The visitor log. We must see the visitor logs. Well, we're not going to. And it's a waste of breath. And here they go. Till they're blue in the face. Cut 29. Tonight, the White House facing calls for more transparency after we learn there are no visitor logs for President Biden's personal residence, where classified documents were found. House Republicans now say they want visitor logs of the Wilmington home, and the White House says there are none. There are uh, none. When the president was out of office, he didn't have such a thing. Yet another question, if there's documents there, why are there not visitor logs? We want to know uh, the visitor logs to the residents. We want to know who had access uh, to the Biden Center for Diplomacy. Mm, it's all good. I like that last guy at the end. I think that was James. But we're not going to get it um, because there were no visitor logs. They weren't monitoring who could come and go from the Biden uh, center. They had no security guard even. The Secret Service wasn't there. Still, this is a this is a big thing. But this is the critical thing. You want to know why the lawyers were there in the first place. And Joe, as is Joe, said too much. It's good for us, bad for him. Cut 30, please. Cut 30. When my lawyers were clearing out my office at the University of Pennsylvania, they set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol. When my lawyers were cleaning out my office, why would lawyer? That's what we don't know on November 2nd, unless he knew there was sensitive stuff there and he wanted lawyers and he wanted attorney-client privilege. And, you know, as the former president of the United States, I mean, actually, as a sitting president of the United States, he could have gone there on some weekend to get his stuff. He didn't do that. Maybe they wouldn't let him do that. Hmm. And then there's this, another thing, all right? Joe revealing conversations with his personal attorneys. He's in trouble, man. What kind of attorney would say this? If I, The first thing you'd want to know is what documents, right? Don't ask that question, Joe. Cut 31. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. My lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. Is that what he said? My lawyers have not suggested I ask what they were. Uh, That means Joe was told not to ask. You don't want to know, Joe. 
Well, I already looked at CNN. They said it's about Ukraine, Iran, and the United Kingdom. For starters. For starters. And oh, by the way, this whole thing of, well, Donald Trump had 300 documents and Joe Biden had 12. Doesn't matter. One document could have the most vital secrets in the world. Could be on one piece of paper. It's not the quantity. It's the quality of the intelligence, right? Seems like I got to straighten everything out in the swamp. Oh, and here's another one. Tony Blinken, who is our very weak Secretary of State, this is a guy who should be working on a staff, and that's where he was for a long time. He was on Joe Biden's staff in the United States Senate. He was a staff guy, and there are some guys who are great at that, and some guys who are not great at that. Tony Blinken should not be leading anything. The State Department, just listen to how he—anyway, they— he was a big guy at the Biden-Pence Center. He was a director, managing director. And I've seen pictures of him there, and he's all goofy and happy. He's not happy anymore. He looks guilty as hell. I'm sorry, but that's the way he looks to me. This is the Secretary of State, cut 33, good friend of Joe Biden. Go ahead. You were, for two years, the managing director of the Penn-Biden Center. And just ask if you were aware of any reason why classified documents would have been packed and brought there while you were there, and whether you would be available for an interview if the special counsel requests? Uh, the short answer is no. Uh, just as you heard from President Biden uh, about a week ago, I was surprised to learn that there were any government records taken to the, uh, the Penn-Biden Center. I had no knowledge of it uh, at the time. Um, the White House, of course, has indicated that uh, the administration is cooperating fully with the review that the Justice Department has undertaken. And I, of course, would cooperate fully with, uh, with that review myself. Um, of course. And he always talks like he's uh, asking a question, even though he's trying to make a statement. And uh, as I said, he should not be um, in front. He should be in the back. And I think he is uh, going to be very, very nervous. How much money did he make? Managing director. Well, the top guy got $900,000 for a no-show job. How much did Tony make? Tony. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Eric Adams is back from the border. And that's it. And I hear people are, ooh, that's really impressive. He's really saying and doing all the right things. Uh, number one, he's not doing anything. Uh, he's not. Uh, number two, don't fall for it. <laughs> okay, don't. It's an act. It's show business. There's a million things he could be doing that he's not doing. Why? Because he does not know how. He doesn't know the first thing about government. All he knows how to do is wear that silly suit or those silly suits. He's got 500 of them. Uh, smile and um, hit people up for money. Do favors for friends. A lot of favors for friends. Um, uh, rent mid-level uh, apartments to people. Uh, what else? Live in New Jersey. <laughs> Just There's no skill. There's nothing magic. There's no... And he's not even working hard. You know, there's so much you can overcome. You don't have to have that much talent. But you, if you work hard, that can, that can compensate for a lot. He's not even working hard, not breaking a sweat. 
greatest city in the world, and look at what we've got. Same city that uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Bloomberg, these guys, giants, absolute giants in their professions. And we got this grubby career politician, fake cop. Fake cop. Remember that about him. Fake cop. And by the way, earlier I was saying that um, the George Floyd thing, George Floyd, I, I hate it when anybody dies, but I don't think he rates statues all over the country, and I don't think we should have redesigned society because George Floyd died. All right? He had enough fentanyl in him to uh, kill 50 people. He was a career criminal, um, an aspiring porn star, a basic deadbeat lowlife. Sorry, they're out there. They are. Everybody's redeemable and everybody can be saved, but uh, he seemed like a long way from all that. Yet they whipped up everybody into a total and complete frenzy, and people were spring-loaded because of all the lockdown stuff. And you know what's really great? When they're calling, when this gets called out, I do it in my book, Injustice for All, available everywhere. Candace Owens did it in front of a congressional panel. Cut 44. There isn't a single adult today that in good conscience would make the argument that America is a more racist or a more white nationalist society than it was when my grandfather was growing up. And yet we're hearing these terms sent around today because what they want to say is that brown people need to be scared which seems to be the narrative that we hear every four years right ahead of a presidential election. You think? (laughs) She's right. She's right. She's right. She's right. But people are wising up, aren't they? I certainly hope so. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we were just talking about George Floyd. Uh, This is going on right now. Derek Chauvin, the cop, is um, appealing. And to me, it looks like he has a strong case. Look, when I saw the video, it was horrific, obviously, and uh, had a lot of questions and uh, seemed kind of like an open and shut case. However, like everything else, there's, uh, there's always more to it. There's always more to it. And you can study this stuff, and sometimes you see things that you... that you think are there but aren't there, and we didn't know a lot. But listen to this. Um, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was sentenced to 22.5 years for the May 2020 murder of George Floyd. He is now appealing the conviction, arguing the trial wasn't fair. An attorney for Derek Chauvin appeared before an appeals court in Minnesota Wednesday today to ask the former Minneapolis police officer's conviction to be thrown out, arguing that legal and procedural errors hindered him from having a fair trial. And one of those uh, factors seems to be that, well, the public was poised to riot if they did not get the conviction they wanted, right? All right, so we're going to hear, this is his lawyer, the appeals lawyer. I'm not sure of his name, but uh, let's go. Welcome, everyone, to the Minnesota Court of Appeals. Today is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. The primary issue on this appeal is whether a criminal defendant can get a fair trial consistent with constitutional requirements in a courthouse that's surrounded by concrete block, barbed wire, two armored personnel carriers, and a squad of National Guard troops, all of which or whom are there for one purpose, 
in the event that the jury acquits the defendant. Uh, please state your name for the record and the party. You hey, stop for one second. That's a pretty strong point, don't you think? That's uh, they've got to deal with that. Now, the person you're about to hear from is Neil Katyal. I don't like this guy because he's on MSNBC all the time and he's totally anti-Trump, totally political. But that's the, so he fit right in with the Obama administration. He was the top uh, one of the top lawyers of the DOJ, Solicitor General. That means you argue cases in court for the government. And here he is, I guess, moonlighting, or is he doing this? Because he's no longer in, uh, he doesn't have that job anymore. He's an MSNBC commentator, but he went up there on his own to argue against uh, what you just heard. Keep going, please. What you heard today about the security concerns and the barbed wire and the like, what he said is, and this is quoted in our brief at page 16, that having the trial at the Hennepin County Government Center would be safer and reassure the jury and make them more impartial, not less, because the security could be folded into a general security over the city. And even if you had trial in some other place in Minnesota in a smaller venue, he said the security would stand out and you'd have the same fears of civil unrest there. Counsel for Appellant, you will have five minutes for rebuttal. The jurors that sat on this jury had a stake in the outcome of the case because they lived here where the riots occurred. If this case gets moved out state, the likelihood of having riots in the community where the jurors are living, I believe, will be a zero. Counsel, for both parties, thank you very much for the briefing. It was very extensive, very thorough, and, and we appreciate that. All right. I guess they'll get back to us. It does kind of make sense, though, right? I mean, they moved. They move trials all the time. They move them all the time. You know, they're in, uh, what's the last one that I remember they moved? I know they do it a lot. Unfortunately, the only one that comes to mind is the one in the 90s. They moved it to uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Might have been in the 80s. Rudy Giuliani, when he was prosecuting, was it Stanley Friedman? That's a name from the past, huh? Stanley Friedman. I think they were prosecuting him, and they moved the case to New Haven, Connecticut. Because people around here, you know, they, they were following the case. Can you imagine that? A bunch of people, <laughs> too many New Yorkers were following the Stanley Friedman case. Uh, but they were. It was a huge, huge deal. Uh, let's go to Ruth Ann in Manhattan. Hi. Hi, Greg. I'm terrified right now, so be easy on me. But you were talking about plagiarizing Neil Kinnick's speech. I wanted to add this. He also threw his son Bo under the bus because he said he should have checked it more carefully that his son, he thought his son Bo had written the speech. Did he really say that? Wait a second. Bo? No, wait. That doesn't make sense. Uh, Bo, I don't think, was old enough. It was 1980, 1987. Bo would have been in high school. There's no way he blamed him. Are you sure? I thought I was until you just said that. I mean, he lies like crazy. I mean, I, I would put nothing past him, but I don't think he... I think I would have heard of it if he tried to blame Bo. I think okay. I would have heard. I, I just, I mean, he has said so many incorrect and untrue things about Bo, oh, by the way. And oh, by the way, Bo, I think, was a hell of a guy. I have no beef with Bo. I like that guy from what I know about him. Uh, anyway, I don't, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll look into that. I never heard that. What else? Thank you. Ted Kennedy also said that Joe Biden was the dumbest man, not just in the Senate, but in all of Congress. And I believe he said that more than once. 
But what I was calling about today was from the first time that I heard your show, like they say, you had me at hello, you had me at Bible, because I read the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when I tell my friends who are Democrat that they don't realize that they're jeopardizing the lives of their children by agreeing with, they say, no, not everyone believes that. But there's a passage in the Bible, Exodus 20, sentence 5, only a few sentences, but it says, I am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments, which means God can punish your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, depending on how he feels they've either learned from you or how they're living their, their lives. And people, I don't think very many people know that. I don't think they read the Old Testament. I read the Old Testament in Hebrew, and I read the New Testament. I I get, um, every month I get Philadelphia Trumpet and Plain Truth, because I'm interested in um, comparing religions. Yeah, no, uh, I'm familiar with uh, that part of the Bible. Uh, Let's face it. It's not the most popular part. Doesn't get you don't see that quoted on too many T-shirts. Uh, and look, it's the Bible. I believe, and God works in mysterious ways. It's tough to comprehend that and to think that, but it's all up to Him, and it's all perfect. Fair enough. Ruthann? I grew up on the Bible. I spent eight years in yeshiva and studied five days a week. Um, uh, biblical studies intertwined with my other uh, stu- school studies, and on the weekend, my father tested me on what I had learned uh, during the week. And it served me well, and it served me well knowing both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Oh, by the way, just one one little thing, though, big thing. Uh, you can be saved and all can be forgiven if you have a talk with Jesus, all right? That's what we believe in the New Testament. But that is a chilling passage, and I am aware of it, and there, are, look, let's face it, there are a lot of chilling things in the Bible. And oh, by the way, guess what they're trying to do? Cancel the Bible. You know it and I know it. There's all kinds of topics in there that they could cite and say, well, there's slavery, there's slaves in the Bible, uh, there's... Uh, there's war, there's genocide, there's uh, there's incest. Do you think they're coming for the Bible? I do think so, and I think it's been coming for a long time. But till we got this woke generation, I didn't think it was as bad as it was the way it is now. Well, you never know where you're going to find your heroes. And let's go to that hockey player in Philadelphia, all right? And one thing I like, you know, we all... Well, hold on. Let's listen to the hockey player first. They wanted him to wear the gay pride uh, sweatshirt at hockey practice because it was gay pride night. And he said, no, I'm not doing that. Go ahead. I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Now, Ruth, let me ask you something. Do you uh, sometimes find that people will stand up for their faith when their back is up against the wall? And I admire that, and that's good. But a lot of us believers don't speak about our faith, you know, when we're not being oppressed. It's good to talk about and to think about, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, 
people only go to church when they think that the church is in peril, which is, I, I'm not complaining about that. There's so much good news in that Bible, I, I, I want to share it every day. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the good news is also, if you, we were taught to pray to God, I, in my family, taught to pray to God. God forgives you immediately when you ask God to forgive you. There may be some punishment in, involved, depending on how great uh, the sins were that you made, but God forgives us all immediately. In fact, I was taught that if I do something to someone and I ask inadvertently and I ask for their forgiveness, I can ask three different times, and after the third time, if they haven't forgiven me, God will forgive me. Well, that's true. I I agree, and I I love it. And um, you're right, instant forgiveness. Uh, and there might be punishment, just like you know, just because my uh, my little daughter, I've, I've taught her to say I'm sorry. That doesn't mean you know there might not be some punishment involved because we love, we punish those we love, right? We want to correct, and there's got to be. You got to welcome that, actually. Corrective when when he corrects us. Behavior towards your sister. Yeah, yeah. Did she. That talk to you good? Wait, what? Did that talk that you had with her? Yes, I had good? that very intense dad talk with her, and then i I had I made her stay in that room by herself for a couple of minutes. And um, but punishment, you know, punishment comes from a place of love, and I believe that applies with the Lord as well. Ruth Ann, thank you very much. Please keep in touch. Um, so great speaking to you. God bless. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Oh, that reminds me, actually, Candace Owens. And you know what? I, when, I, when Candace Owens gets up and speaks so powerfully and boldly, and there are a bunch of people looking at her and, like, you know, scowling, and that's what was happening here, you can kind of you can kind of see God. You can see God anywhere, everywhere. Um, and I see it when Candace Owens starts speaking. It's an amazing thing. Cut 45, please. Cut 45. The one and only. Here are some things we never hear. 75% of the black boys in California don't meet state reading standards. In inner cities like Baltimore, within five high schools and one middle school, not a single student was found to be proficient in math or reading in 2016. The single, mother would, the single motherhood rate in the black community, which is at 23% in the 1960s when my grandfather was coming up, is at a staggering 74% today. I am guessing there will be no committee hearings about that. There are more black babies born, there are more black babies aborted than born alive in cities like New York, and you have Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo lighting up buildings to celebrate late-term abortions. I could go on and on, but my point is that White nationalism, white nationalism did not do any of those things that I just brought up. Democrat policies did. Good for her. Good for her. Like I say in my book, we are having a ludicrous conversation about race to avoid having an uncomfortable one. And uh, very few people are willing to wage it, lead it, engage in it. Um, liberals are all about the silly, stupid conversation about race. You know, leaving all the details out, leaving all the context out. Just trying to pretend that there's uh, white supremacy everywhere and people don't like others based on the color of their skin. I think that is so exceedingly rare. It's horrific, but it's also incredibly rare. Uh, what do you think, Pete? Hello, Greg. I'm calling in reference to that woman caller a couple callers ago. And she called about the advertisement of a presidential book. Oh, gosh. Well, you know I, what? All right. It's just a TV commercial. I mean, what's the problem? Well, well, 
I'll tell you what the problem is, Greg. Listen to me for a minute. I saw it on the— Hey, Ray, um, I don't like the tone. All right, Pete, calm down. All right, uh, let's start anew. Pete from Piscataway, what's down. up? Hey, hello? Yes, go ahead. I'm hello? sorry. Go, yes, okay. you're— I, okay, I saw it on the uh, Mike Huckabee show, which is a, a really good show, and it was on the Newsmax, which is a very good um, station, and it was toward the end of the show. And they, they're showing this uh, little book for children on the president, and I'm all happy about it. And then they show a picture of um, – uh, what's his name in Florida? Um, DeSantis. Uh, what, what's yeah, DeSantis. I said, what? He's the governor. He's not a president. How ironical. I couldn't believe it. And you know what I really don't like about it? The Republican Party is divided. I don't know why Huckabee couldn't have somebody proofread this uh, commercial. And, All right, and listen, not- it's not his fault. And commercials, I haven't seen the commercial. I'm sure it's fine. But look. I'm with you about DeSantis. I, DeSantis can be president someday, but not not anytime soon. And let me find this little piece. I went off on DeSantis, and it got noticed uh, pretty much everywhere, especially in the uh, conservative space. Let's see. Why can't I find it right now? I don't know. <laughs> ah, Newsmax rips. Newsmax host Greg Kelly rips into career politician Ron DeSantis. Uh, this is in the Daily Beast. It uh, made big waves in the uh, conservative world. Newsmax's top-rated host Greg Kelly warned Republicans Governor Ron DeSantis on Friday night, don't take on Donald Trump for president come 2024. The declaration from the primetime star comes more than two years ahead of a 2024 general election and months ahead of the 2022 midterms. This is from the summer. As behind-the-scenes Republican Party lieutenants mull potential 2024 GOP candidates. Governor Ron DeSantis, he is amazing, so talented, so smart, unlimited political future. I want him to be president someday, Kelly began his Friday evening show as a graphic appeared on screen stating, not yet, Ron. I think that's almost guaranteed to happen, but I'd rather not see him run in 2024. The message from Kelly comes while Trump world remains unsure precisely when a Trump 2024 campaign announcement might come. It came in uh, November, of course. Uh, After airing a highlight reel of the Florida governor taking aim at reporters, Kelly heaped on the praise before cutting to the chase. Let's face it, though, he's borrowing heavily from Donald Trump, his style and agenda and policies. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But I'm hearing from more and more Republicans. Well, you know, Donald Trump has all the baggage uh, and it's time for a fresh face. Do not fall for that argument. Then Kelly dug in, arguing that unlike Trump, DeSantis could be considered a career politician. Let's see. He's 43 now. On Election Day in November of 2024, he would be 45 years old. Now, here's the thing. That makes him, what, three decades younger than President Trump? I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying he's got plenty of time ahead of him to make his move, but not now. And there are some big things he needs to clean up, the primetime Newsmax host said, just a little bit. The Newsmax host added that in 2018, he believed DeSantis should have easily defeated then-Democrat candidate Andrew Gillum. Yet instead, he said DeSantis was nervous and fidgety during the debate. I think he needs to work on that. Obviously, he, DeSantis, has studied President Trump very, very carefully. You can kind of see it in this picture in Mar-a-Lago. Oh, yeah, there's this picture where he's just staring at Trump. And uh, I think DeSantis inhaled so much from Donald Trump. The agenda, the style, it's all Trump's. 
He changed everything Donald Trump did, changed everything, and I think he can change it again. Here's an idea, although constitutionally it may be complicated, Trump and DeSantis on the same ticket. Elsewhere in Trump world, longtime Trump advisor Kellyanne Conway has found her way back into the former president's heart, blah, 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 blah. Uh, now, a couple of things have happened since. Uh, <laughs> DeSantis beat Charlie Crist by, uh, what, like 8 million votes? I mean, it was a huge victory. Is that a reset? I still don't think so. All the concerns I had, and Pete, that you may still have. You have them, Pete? Yeah, Greg, listen, if that woman was confused or flabbergasted by that commercial, and I was also, I would like you, there's going to be other Republicans that it happened to, too, and and we're divided. I would like for you to look at that commercial. It's near the All end right, of the I'm show. Not, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's a commercial. It's okay. We can live with it. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I want to go to Brazil now because the parallels to our own January 6th insurrection are inescapable. It was an attempt to topple the government that resembled the January 6th insurrection. Is Brazil's president encouraging a January 6th style insurrection in his country? People across the world are seeing how a former American president the people around him and his example on January the 6th is now responsible for the exporting of fascism and anti-democratic movements to other countries. Wow. These people are such experts on all things, including Brazil elections. What the hell do they know about Brazil elections? Nothing. You know, there was a time where the media, they actually went into the media to ask questions, to wonder to not have all the answers, you just turn it on, and there they are, sitting fat, dumb, and stupid right there, just so content in that that fortress of stupidity, actually, and that they know that the Brazil election was free and fair. I do not know that. Well, wait a second. The, the, the State Department said so. I, do you believe that? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it doesn't take too many votes to screw with an election. We know that. And all those people. So all those people. Did you see the video of all those people coming to the capital of, uh, I think it's called Brasilia? We don't want violence, but, uh, you know, maybe they know something we don't. Right? And sometimes history is not pretty. Although it can be, it's not pretty, but it can be glorious. Like the Boston Tea Party. All that pushing and shoving. There's some violence there. And now we revere those moments. Those people in Brazil just might be patriots. I know the people on January 6th. Just about all of them were patriots. Thanks very, very much. I will see you tonight on the Newsmax show. The book is available wherever books are sold. It's called Justice for All by me.